welcome back to Recharge Radio, your one-stop spot to get spiritually recharged for your day. Today on The Water Wheel, we'll return to the topic of family, specifically on the marriage, the foundation of the family. I would like to invite Spurgeon himself to come and teach us of the proper perspective of marriage. Laid out here in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. The calling is so high that, in Spurgeon's own words, I should have never thought of such a comparison had not the Holy Spirit himself put it before us and invited us to consider it. So let us consider it indeed. How does Christ love his church? I cannot help beginning by saying that Christ loves his church specially. There will be no parallel whatever between the husband's love to the wife and Christ's love to the church if there were not a specialty about it. Christ is love itself. He is full of kindness and benevolence. In that sense, he loves all mankind. But that cannot be the meaning of the text, for it would be a very strange kind of exhortation to the husband if that were the case. No, the husband's love to his spouse is something special and particular, and it stands quite alone and all by itself. He will be kind and benevolent and generous towards all. But that love which he lavishes upon his wife, he must give to nobody else in the world. It is certainly so with our blessed Lord, free and rich and overflowing in loving kindness. Yet he made a special choice of his people before the earth was. And having chosen because of his love, he loves because of his choice, and that love is a peculiar, special, remarkable, preeminent love, such as he bestows upon no one else of all the human race. It must be so, or else the passage would be all but immoral. Certainly, it would be manifestly incorrect. There is, then, a special love which Christ has towards his own church, towards all believers, towards his chosen people, towards those whom his Father gave him of whom he says, they are mine. I may invite each of you who are included in either of these descriptions to drink in the sweetness of that gracious text. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means I have loved you with a special and peculiar and distinguishing love. As many of us as believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are distinguished by the enjoyment of a love which is all our own. Dear fellow Christians, Let us never forget this amazing love. And as Christ loves us specially, let us feel that we are bound to love Him specially. Let us give to Him all our heart's selection, for He is a jealous Savior, and He will have all our love. So let us render it to Him, not of compulsion, but with a joyous willingness. Love dies in the presence of compulsion. It will wear no chains except its own silken fetters. But it flies, oh how swiftly, on its own strong wings when once it perceived its beloved objective. Christ loves his church then, specially. As good John Kent sings, he loved the world of his elect with love surpassing thought. Nor will his mercy ever neglect the souls so dearly bought. And next, I ask you to notice which is not always the case with regard to the husband and the wife that the Lord loves his church unselfishly. That is to say, he never loved her for what she has, but what she is. No, I must go further than that. I see that he loved her, not so much for what she is, but what he makes her as the object of his love. 
He loves her not for what comes to him from her or with her, but for what he is able to bestow upon her. His is the strongest love that ever was, for he has loved unseemliness till he has changed it into beauty. He has loved the sinner till he has made him a saint. He has loved the foul and filthy till he has washed them with the water by the word of God and presented them to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We love because of loveliness apprehended and perceived. But Christ loved because he would impart his own loveliness to the object of his choice. Even the best of men, doubtless, love in some measure from selfish motives. There is some mixture of self-interest in all human love. But Christ had nothing to gain by loving his church. He was very God of very God, the adored of angels and the beloved of the Father. Yet he fixed the eyes of his love, mark you, not of his pity merely, but of his love upon those whom he had chosen out of the race of men. He loved them, not for anything that he could ever gain from them, for he had all things in himself, but because of that which he could, would impart to them. They had nothing of good in themselves and were only fit to be loved by Christ. Because like empty vessels, their very emptiness fits them to be receivers of his fullness. In no other sense are we ever fit to be loved by Christ. As the sun chased the darkness away from the world and still prevents it, from going back into the darkness. So did Christ love a poor, fallen, darkened company of mortals and love them into light and love and joy and still loves them and enlightens them and keeps them where they are. Oh, what a wondrous love is this. Let our souls rejoice and be glad therein. Oh, what a wondrous and great love indeed. This is the standard, the high standard. May every man humble himself to see his own low view of love and to rise to the occasion to pursue the greatest of all loves. That's all from us this week at Recharge Radio. God bless you and have a great weekend.